Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus. God, I pray you would remove from our minds, from our thought processes, our words, cliche. We would be ones that speak words from our heart to you. And we say we love you. Lord, I am grateful to you. I am grateful to you, Jesus. So, Lord, I'm asking, would you rest on us this morning? Would you draw us into understanding and revelation? I'm asking for the truth of the scriptures to penetrate where we're dull and where we haven't seen, God, where our ears have been closed. Would you penetrate us? Let the word of God dwell richly within us. I pray the word would come to bear upon our soul. We would bend under the verses. The weight of the scripture would bend us. Release revelation by your spirit, God. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you. Good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn over to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to continue on a series that we've been on through the whole month of December, and now we're in January, and we're just going to continue with it. Forerunner mandate. I have got energy, not in the natural, but in the spirit. I have energy. I was getting ready to fly out of Kansas City yesterday, and... Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened to me. I had, I had an interesting trip. I had a great time in Kansas City. And uh, I, get a, I get a call from my wife. She, she and my boys, they, they went home early. And I was staying for an extra few days. There was another conference. And I get a call from my wife. She says, our dog's not doing well. She can't walk. She's not eating food. I go, take her to the doctor. Something's really wrong. They're talking $6,000 surgeries. I go, oh, no. She's 13 years old. $6,000 into a 13-year-old dog, bad, bad. Not on a missionary, <laughs> not on a missionary uh, budget. And I said, baby, we're going to have to put her to sleep. And she's crying, and I'm talking her through it. And, and so she calls me later on the day, in the day. She goes, she died. Dog died. My dog died. Bummer. I'm talking to my kids and my one son. He's really upset. And I said, how do you feel? He goes, I just feel sick. And I go, you want to talk about it? He goes, no. I get on my other son on the phone. I go, how are you? He goes, I'm doing pretty good. It's not really bothering me, I guess. You know, it's no big deal. She's gone. Okay, good. So that's uh, two days ago. And then so yesterday, I'm literally, I'm getting ready to go to the airport. I'm going to have lunch with a guy and I'm going to go to the airport. And I get this bottle of water in my hand, and the bottle of water has a flip top on it. And I think I've closed it, and I'm carrying the bottle of water like this, and I've got my computer bag in my hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I dumped the whole bottle of water into my computer bag because the top was actually open. That was a $2,000 bottle of water. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. So I went and got a new computer, <laughs> the Apple store yesterday. And uh, while they're transferring my data, 
You know, I check on my flight. Ah, it's delayed. Praise God. Yeah, three hours later. Got into Atlanta about midnight last night. Anyway, these are minor issues compared to what's coming on the earth in a few years. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, while I might be a little weary in body, I am extremely energized in spirit. And uh, I really, I want to I sort of just talk to you this morning. I, I, feel, I feel bold and broken and gripped. And I mean, I feel very humble, but very serious. And, and so I want to proclaim in that manner, but I really want to talk to you this morning. And uh, I, I, I may preach, but let's imagine that it's me and you having coffee, because that's how I feel right now. I feel like I, I want, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, and if you're, not, if you're visiting us for the first time, this is just how I am. I'm a little intense. But. I feel like I want, I want to talk to you in a manner that it, you, demands a response. That's how I'm feeling. So Malachi 3, we've been on this for uh, six weeks now. We're on, our, we're on our sixth week of dealing with Malachi 3. And, and Jamie interjected last week at a Song of Solomon 2, just a powerful revelation. I never had seen that, thought that was so incredible. And I haven't heard, actually, the message, but I knew what she was going to preach. And I uh, can't wait to hear it. But here we are in Malachi 3 again. And look at this. Verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. The Lord whom you seek equals the messenger of the covenant. And the messenger who will prepare the way is a people. It's an individual, and it's a people. So you have a messenger that's preparing the way and a messenger that's the messenger of the covenant. And he's the one, he's the Lord in whom they delight. He's going to come to the temple. And he says, behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. So this is a prophecy. This is an end times prophecy about two things. It's about a messenger people who prepare the way of the Lord. They prepare the earth for the second point, Jesus' return. So it's two points. There's a people coming that will prepare the way, and the Lord is coming after these people. And we are gripped, convicted over this, that this prophecy applies to those that will be alive in the generation in which the Lord returns, of which I believe many of us will be alive on the planet at that time. We might be three, four decades away from this. But 30 years is nothing. Nothing. It's no time. I am asking the Lord for more, no, for more time Yet he admonishes us in 2 Peter 3.12, he says, hasten the day of the Lord. What manner of people ought you to be in conduct, hastening the day of the Lord? In other words, the implication is this. If the people of God will live in righteousness with fasting and prayer, it will actually speed up the process 
of the return of the Lord in their generation. And I say, if we have 30 years, 40, maybe 40 years, I, I go, oh, God, we need more time. I was preparing notes on the plane ride last night, and the guy, this is so funny, the first thing the gentleman said who sat next to me, and I just get the picture, he's about 200 and, about five foot six, 280 pounds. He's got, he's got overalls on, a bald head and a goatee. And if that fits your description this morning, you're awesome. But uh, first thing, he sits down right next to me, he looks at me, he goes, first thing I'm going to say to you is, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he's taking up, <laughs> taking up more than his side. I said, it's all right, man. And so we just talked, but I'm preparing my notes. And I didn't know, I'm, I'm typing up these things about the end of the age, and he's eavesdropping the whole time. He's reading my notes as I'm typing them. And... Uh, so I close my, <laughs> I close my computer, put it in, in the bag, and the guy goes, "So is that your personal manifesto, or are you a preacher?" <laughs> I go, "No." I'm, he, or he says, "Do you do this by profession?" I go, "No, that's that's my profession." He goes, "So, in your professional opinion, are we living in the end times?" I go, "Yes." He, and then I go, "What do you think?" He goes, "There's a lot of things that are concerning me right now." I go, yeah, we need to get ready. We need to get ready for what's about to come on the earth. And this gentleman who, you know, who knows, he's from Tampa. I mean, he, I, he sits down and he begins to get gripped. He goes, no, we're not ready. We are not ready. And I talked to him about the end of the age. And I talked to him about whether the pre-trib rapture was real. I said, the movie is, because he, he, he asked me, he goes, do you think the movies are giving us the right picture? I go, I don't think so. And he goes, me neither. I go, I'm glad that those movies and those books are out there because, you know, it's getting people's mind on the end of the age, but I don't think so. And, and I said, I think it's pretty American. And we talked, and it was good. It was a good conversation. But he, even this gentleman, who, who random guy from who knows where, taking up more than his portion of the seat, he said, we're not ready. I go, I know. And this prophecy from Malachi, I said, I look at it and I say, God, if it's three decades, if it's Four decades. You have, to ex- you have to accelerate us. Something has got to shift in the way that we are doing life. Because these truths have got to come out of the cartoon, you know, sort of daydream state. And they've got to come front and center and become truths that govern the way that we live our lives. I'm not saying that we should govern ourselves on some subjective spiritual experience or some you know, touchy-feely, subjective, prophetic thing. I'm saying there are verses in the Bible that identify the signs of the end of the age and that there will be a people that will be prepared at the end of the age to prepare the way for the Lord. Those signs are exploding on the scene and therefore, we, as a people who believe this stuff, we've actually got to get it out of the daydream fantasy, you know, idea and get it into reality so it actually governs us, not because of a subjective prophecy, but because of the truth of the scriptures. And I am, I am looking at my life, I'm taking inventory and I'm saying, God, let it be that my day in and day out makes sense in light of the end of the age. I do not want to live a life 
agreeing with the truth of the scripture, yet not living a lifestyle that's not commensurate with those truths. And I, I'm looking and I'm wanting to understand what does it mean to be a forerunner people? What does it mean to be granted the task of preparing the way for the Lord? When I say granted the task, I don't believe this is an elitist thing that there's, oh, this special group that we're part. No, I believe it's a whosoever will. Whoever will come up to that scripture, look at the verse and go, my goodness. This is happening now. I've got to shift the way I live. I believe that's the people called. (laughs) And the whosoever wills that will say yes to the scriptures. And I don't know if we really understand this. Do we really understand what it means to be a people preparing the way for the return of the Lord? Jesus is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming to the planet to end a massive military disruption, a global military disruption. He's coming back as a revolutionary to finalize a Christian revolution movement. I'm going to expound on that in a week ahead. I'm going to talk about the Christian resistance movement. And I know that might sound like spooky language, but when you look at the verses, you, don't, you can't get around it. Things are not going to ex- continue to exist the way they are, beloved. And we might be 20, 30 years out, maybe 40. If that's the case, then we have got to make some radical changes. And I say this, that if we understood, if we understood these things, it would transcend into our lifestyles principally three things that I can think of. The way we spend our time, the way we spend our money, and the way we raise our children. And what do I mean by that? I don't want to leave it in the generic, like, yeah, I need to spend my time better. No, it equals this. I don't waste time, I put it in prayer and fasting. You know, he, Jesus admonishes us and he says, in light of these things, watch and pray. That's the answer. It's in Luke 21. It's in uh, Mark 13. Very clearly, he goes, though this generation that sees these things, the answer is this, watch and pray. And we waste a massive amount of time on frivolity and things that do not matter. They do not make sense. We we busy ourselves and expend emotional energy and, and our time on things that make zero sense in light of who we're called to be at the end of the age. And so when I say how we spend our time, it equals this. Less time in entertainment and the frivolous activities of life that maybe they're not even sin. Maybe they're just average things, but they, they make you dull. I like how Corey Russell says it. He says, we are so gorged on PG, PG PG-13 movies, we are dull spiritually. So, how we spend our time. It it must translate into more prayer and fasting, more study the scriptures, and less frivolity. That's, That's what I'm saying. When I said it must make sense how we spend our time, that's what I mean. So it equals this, more time in the prayer room or more time in the prayer closet. I like doing it in the prayer room because we're in community together. You and me are in community together. 
You show up here and you say IHOP is your community. Maybe you're visiting. God bless you. It's cool. But I'm talking, I'm talking to the group that, hey, thinks of this place as their place. We're in community together. Let's run together. Let's do this together. Let's show up and do this together. That's why we have a house of prayer. Together, we are watchmen on the wall. So it equals figuring out your schedule and going, okay, I am wasting time here, here, and here. Your favorite TV show that comes on at 10 o'clock is probably a dumb idea. God bless you. No, really, because you stay up late watching something that makes no sense in light of eternity, and then you can't get up in the morning and pray. And we're having coffee. Turn off whatever it is. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know the name of them. So turn off the show. I know one, Lost. You should take a hint by the title of it. <laughs> turn that off. And, and, and really drill down on the way you're spending your time. Make it make sense. Get into prayer. For real. Get into, get into real study of the scripture. The way you spend your money. I am right now going back over my budget for the millionth time to see how extravagantly I can give. I'm trying to figure out how I can narrow it down on my personal expenditures so I can give money to children in Haiti. That's what, when I show up and I look at Jesus in the eye, I do not want a list of gadgets behind my name that show how I spent my money on frivolous things in this age that drew me in through lusts while I could have put my money in something eternal like the poor. Because if you lend to the poor, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. I want that on my eternal resume. I want to put money in the prayer movement and the poor of the earth. I want massive dollars going into the prayer movement and the poor of the earth. That's what I want. I want that testimony over my head that they, a massive, per, I, I, I narrowed it down. And I, I mean, I'm not the greatest at this. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing better than I used to. Let's just say it that way. But I narrowed it down on what I actually spend. And I, and I take that money and I put it into the poor. My wife and I, we've had to take a hard look at, at how we do our children. And, and the number of gifts we do it over the, the holidays. And, you know, it's amazing that our, our American culture, they think if your child gets 10 gifts or less, you're almost like abusing your children at Christmas. No, we told family members, because we have, my parents and my wife's parents, everybody's divorced, so we have four different family units. So if they all buy each child three presents, that's 12 presents per kid. And, I, and we haven't even given them anything. We said, no, one present each, for real. Let's keep it under this amount of money. If you want to give extra, let's do, uh, let's, we're going to give it to the poor. We're going to give it to Bast- Batista, who's our little guy from Uganda. It, that doesn't, see, because it doesn't make sense for me to, to gorge my child on, you know, just, let's just talk. Why does he need 12 presents again? When an hour and a half right there in the, in the, in the Caribbean, an hour and a half, plane ride, there's little kids that are eating dirt. They don't have one present. 
But, it's, but the mentality in our society is like, if you don't do piles of things for your children, you're almost abusing them. That is off, beloved. That's the spirit of the age. It's wrong. I'm telling you, God's not, I, I know the Lord does not like that. That's coming down, I guarantee you. How you guys doing? I'm just getting started. I really. And so it's our time, it's our money, and it's what are we doing with our children? What am I, I am am revamping and, and looking again at how I'm raising my children. The values of prayer and fasting, uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, intimacy with Jesus, and, and the end of the age. I want to instruct my children on the end of the age. I, I, I have got a new, and, and I've gone through the book of Revelation with them and, and done lots of teachings and talked about so many things. But I want, I really believe this, that my children can have a strong grip on the end time scenario by the time they're 12, 13 years old. I mean, really get it. And, uh, and, I, and I'm looking at this thing in a whole new light and thinking, th- they already think in drama and storyline and, and amazing things. You know, they already think that way. That's why we shove superhero stuff down their throat. You know what that is? That's just a placebo. That's, that's a, it's a false thing that gets their mind off of the reality. The superhero is coming. His name is Jesus. He's going to destroy the villain of the ages, Antichrist. That's the story I want them to get on. And the superhero friends are the prophetic messengers at the end of the age. Let's get something that makes sense in light of what we say we believe. And so I, I'm talking really like, let's, let's drill it down. Let's, let's get serious about how we're doing our children. Let's really put in them the value system that we say that we embrace. Sermon on the Mount, fasting and prayer, end of the age. So he goes, man, that's a little intense for a seven-year-old. Not at all. My seven-year-old's breaking down things about the uh, end of the age in the book of Revelation, saying prophetic things to me, opening the scripture. He's got the same Holy Spirit that I've got, and he can understand it. it I mean, it's, it's piercing when he comes with a word for it. Now, he'll go from total goofball to boom with an arrow, and that's cool. It's kind of fun that way, but, I mean, he can get it. And... Uh, we, we need to, we've, and so when I say chi- time, money, and children, I'm not, I'm not th- trying to throw a little s- phrase, slogan out there. I'm like, no, we need to get accountable on this. If we believe Malachi 3, run, 3 1, preparing the way for the return of the Lord, if we believe the time frame is short, then we've got to, this has got to transcend how we do life. It must. It must transcend how we do our life. You know, you know this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road for us. Almost nobody will be offended with you if you say, I go to IHOP or I believe that we're in the end of the age. Or if you read the end times book or study the book of Revelation, almost nobody will be offended with you if you have a uh, bent toward that direction. You know when they'll get offended with you? When you start changing the way you live. Then you've gone off the deep end. See, the problem isn't that you might think these things are true. The problem becomes, I'm saying for people around your life, if you actually live a little differently. And they'll begin to exert pressure on you. Hey, why are you doing that? Hey, that's a little weird. Hey, hey, listen, I believe, I believe this is true and therefore I'm going to do this. And I, I, just, I challenge this idea. 
that we would believe the thing true, but not actually live like it's true, I challenge whether we really believe it's true. Mental assent versus heart reality. Those who are instructed in mind, but, but disobedient in action, that finds you wanting at the end of the age and at the judgment seat. Instructed in mind, but disobedient in action, it will find us wanting at the end of the age and at the judgment seat. I'm concerned over this. I never wanted to be an entertainer. I didn't want to just sort of come up and give a little few messages with some interesting revelation and a few verses that we're not used to hearing. I wanted, to, I wanted to raise a trumpet and put a sword in the air and rally a community to be readied, to be prepared. And I'm calling us to it. I'm calling myself to it. I'm calling my family to it. And I'm calling you to it. For real. It demands us to take inventory. It demands us to take a look. Many will agree the Lord's return is near but how many will make the necessary changes in lifestyle to be a people prepared? Got to see this verse in Luke 12. Turn over to Luke 12. You got to see this. Jesus is giving a parable about his return. He's giving a parable about his return. And, and Peter, man, he asked the good question. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to look at that. Where is that verse? Because I didn't give it to the guy's Peter goes, Luke 12, 41. Oh. He's, Lord, are you speaking this parable only to us or to all people? I love the question. Because he, Peter is going, this is hitting me. Now, is this just for me? Is this for everybody? You know how we tend to do it? We tend to do it in reverse. That's for all of them. It doesn't really apply to me. And, and when, I, when, I, when I get in your face, like I am right now, and I dial it down and I go, what about you? That's when it gets serious, doesn't it? Feel the heat? It's like it's hot in here right now. Maybe it is. People are like, dear Lord. Peter asks, he goes, is this just for us? Is this for everybody? We tend to go, that's for all of them. It's not really for me. No, no, it's right there for us. And that's what Jesus, Jesus answers. He goes, it's for you. And how do we know he says it's for you and for everybody? He goes, uh, and wait, here's how he starts the parable. In verse 37, he says this, blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, that's the return of the Lord, he'll find them watching. That's preparing. That's being alert to the time and the season in which they live. Watching. He goes, surely I say to you, he will gird himself and have him sit down to eat and will come and serve them. He goes, they're going to receive eternal rewards in a measure you can't even comprehend. Jesus himself serving his servants. Verse 47, in response to Peter's question, he describes, Jesus describes those that don't do the master's will, those who don't know to do the master's will, and those that know to do it and do not prepare. And he describes those in three verses there, but I want to dial in on verse 47. He says, and that servant, look at this, who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself 
or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. It's talking about the people that understand the will of the Lord at the end of the age and they're actually going to suffer much loss as a result. Beaten with many stripes. I looked at that and I went, oh my goodness. He goes, it's the, he goes, I'm talking about those that know the master's will and do not prepare. What does that equal? They do not, they, they, they agree with the verses. They agree with it all, but they do not actually have it transcend into their lifestyle. I don't have to make it up. It's that, it's that blunt and plain. A straightforward reading of the scripture is that direct. Here's my thing. This is, this is why I'm coming at you this way. And I'm coming at me too. I feel a responsibility for this community. I don't want to be the cool charismatic thing going on. Oh, they got worship and prayer over there all the time. Oh, they're preaching about the end of the day. Oh, they, they believe in power signs and went, oh yeah, cool, let's go to that. I am, I am not interested. I am not interested in being the next hot charismatic something something. I want a people who will go hard in fasting and prayer, seeking the Lord with their eyes wide open, out of charismatic delusion, out of you know fantasy Christianity, with an understanding of the prophetic scriptures, with hearts alive and in love with Jesus, loving him as the bridegroom and loving him as the judge, totally alert and awake, watching and preparing in the hour that the earth needs a prepared people to prepare the way because crisis is coming. I am wanting to lead a community into war. I am so not interested in being the next holy hot thing around. Amen. No, really, like amen. That's, that's it. I am, I am interested in seeing us become a fasting and praying community that, that bombs heaven. I want, I want to release bombs in the atmosphere. I don't care if our names get on any billboards. I want the heavens to shake because a people actually give themselves to living the values of the kingdom, resisting the spirit of the age, and getting before the Lord in prayer, and living their lifestyle, and praying like these things are real. I want to shake the heavens in this age. And I want to get it. I want to fall in love with him. And come what may. Come the persecutions. You, you know, and so I look at this and I say, God, I don't care for any of it. Whatever you want to do, do it for us. But I want a community that's, here's my point. I don't just want to have the reputation. Oh, I don't want the reputation. I don't want the reputation of the praying community that's, you know, they're fasting and praying over there. And wow, I want to do it. And let the chips fall where they may. Let's be a fasting and praying prophetic community with an apostolic edge. Let's give ourselves a sermon on the mount. Let's go for this thing. Let's do this thing hardcore. Let's believe the verses and live like they're true. And let the chips fall where they may. Some will say good. Some will say boo. Who cares? Let's go for it. And let's put that on our eternal resume. So when we stand before him in that day, ha! I want to stand in confidence.
I want to stand in comfort. I don't want to, I don't want to be freaked out by the judgment seat. I want, to be, I want to walk into the judgment seat going, thank you, Jesus. Your grace constrained me. Your love controlled me. I know there's many places that I missed it, but I know that I had to lean towards you. Not in arrogance, but in brokenness. I don't care if our name gets on a billboard. I want to live this thing. And I feel the responsibility of this. I'm not asking you for me. I'm asking you for you. The things that we ascribe to, they must translate into lifestyles that are lived out or else we are living in delusion. You get that? If we say we believe it here, but we don't live them out, we are deluded. That's got to lift off of us. It's got to lift off of us. Malachi 3. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. I want to show you this. Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? Who can stand when he appears? Who can stand? That question, I mean, it is, that is a, that is a bomb. That question is a javelin from the prophet. Who can stand? Who can stand? Who can stand? That thing should echo and reverberate around in our hearts because the question, it's rhetorical and it's saying, Few are going to be able to stand. It's going to be so intense. That's the idea of that question. Who is going to be able to stand? Now flip over to Revelation 6. Verse 17. Who can stand? Who can stand? Who can stand? Look at verse 17, Revelation 6. These are men on the earth having experienced the drama of the first six judgment events of the last three and a half years of this age. And they say this, the great day of his wrath has come. What's their question? Say it. See, in a minute... Malachi 3.2, this piercing question, it's not going to be just a preaching point in a sermon. It's going to be the question on the lips of the entire planet. Why is this important? Because in a minute, the globe is going to be saying, things have gotten so severe, who can stand? And if a people will right now give themselves in preparation by changing their lifestyle, they will be able to instruct many and lead many to righteousness. That's what Daniel 11 says. Those of understanding, they'll lead many to righteousness. Let me set the context for this and we'll wrap it up. Let me set the context for the question. Who can stand? Who's going to be able to make it? Who can deal with what's happening? Who's ready? That's not going to be some little side question buried in the book of Malachi. That's going to be the question on the lips of all humanity in a minute. I tell you, it is essential for us 
to shift the way we need to shift our lives so that we can stand with confidence in the day when every man is asking who can stand, we can say, those who know the Lamb. Those that know Jesus. Those that are in abandonment to the Lamb. We'll be able to stand. Here. I'm just going to give it to you quick. In Revelation 5, Jesus approaches the throne of the Father. The Father has a scroll. It's got writing on the front and back of it. And it's got seven seals on it. Jesus approaches the throne and he takes that scroll from the Father. That scroll is God's battle plan for the end of the age. It, it has written on it the judgment events that are going to be loosed on the earth to destroy Antichrist and his kingdom and to bring as many people to voluntary love as possible in the last three and a half years of this age. The book of Revelation from chapter 6 to 19 all takes place in three and a half years. I'm not going to do the math on it. It all takes place in three and a half years. And that scroll gives us God's battle plan for those three and a half years. Jesus takes the scroll and he begins to loose these seals. It's sealed with seven seals. He begins to pop the seals to open the scroll. And when he pops the first seal, what happens coincidentally with that is a judgment event is released on the earth. Each one of those seals equals a judgment event on the planet. So Jesus Christ, he takes the scroll from the hand of the Father. He opens the the, the first seal on the scroll. And when he does, Revelation 6, verse 1, says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. What am, I, what am I doing right now? I'm, I'm answering you the question, why are the people saying who can stand? I'm giving you the context for why they're asking the question. Jesus opens the seal and Antichrist arises on the world scene. That's a picture of Antichrist. He's riding a white horse. He's given a crown. He's got a bow. He's coming to conquer and conquering. Jesus Christ himself initiates the three and a half year event by allowing Antichrist to have authority and to conquer the nations. A man possessed by Lucifer is coming. He is coming to conquer nations. His ultimate desire is going to be to get the worship of the planet for himself. That is the first judgment event of the last three and a half years. Antichrist rises to power. When that happens, when Antichrist rises to power, he will institute the mark of the beast system that we read about in Revelation 13. He will demand the whole world to worship him at the penalty of death. And that that reality will give way to the next judgment event. Jesus opens another seal on the scroll. And when he does, verse 3 happens. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see another horse. Fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. 
and that people should kill one another. And there was given him a great sword. Right now, in the earth, peace exists in most of the planet. In most of the planet, throughout cities of the earth, cities and communities, mostly peace exists. We have massive upheaval in certain areas, but the majority of the globe lives in peace day to day. Now, with that being the status of the planet right now, there's still incredible atrocities that have happened in the earth. World War I, World War II, things in recent days like Darfur, and what's happening right now in the Gaza Strip. Unpeaceful situations have abounded while peace is on the earth. At this time, when Jesus releases that sex seal, after Antichrist comes to power, peace will leave the planet. Every society, every city will go into chaos. Peace will go away. You know what that means? I don't have to be prophetic to tell you. Listen, World War III is coming. There will be another world war. It will be instigated by Antichrist. Peace will be taken from the earth as this man is bent on conquering and taking over the nations of the earth. World War Three is coming. It's not an opinion. It's in the Bible. If the government of the earth the governments of the nations understood World War III is definitely coming. Don't you think they'd live differently? Jesus himself will initiate the events that make it happen. He opens the seal. Peace leaves the planet. World War III ensues. Peace taken from the earth. Men are given to killing one another. This is what's coming. This is why they're asking who can stand. This is why the question is being posed. It's on the lips of all the men of the nations. Who can stand? Right now it's buried in Malachi. In a day in the future, it is going to be on everyone's lips. Why would they say such a thing? A man possessed by Lucifer is going to come to conquer the globe. Peace will be taken from the planet. And then Jesus will open the third seal. Verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creatures come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Just a denarius, a day's wage. Just think of that, a day's wage. A day's wage. So he goes, a quart of wheat. It's a loaf of bread for a day's wage. Eight hours a day, $10 an hour, $80, let's just say in America, for a loaf of bread. Why? Why would it be such, in such a case? Famine. This is global famine. A quart of wheat for a day's wage and three quarts of barley for a day's wage. Don't harm the oil and the wine. Well, what's going on here? The Bible tells us later in Revelation 11 that the two witnesses will be prophesying in the earth and the two witnesses will shut the heavens. 
it will not rain on the earth for three and a half years. And at the time of the third seal, drought has hit the whole globe. Famine has hit the planet, and drought, the famine is as a result of the drought. And one man's got the control of it through the Mark of the Beast system, Antichrist. And we're in global world war, and now we're in complete famine all across the globe. You know when the church is going to really need to be able to do signs and wonders? By the third seal. Jesus, I don't think he did the five loaves and two fishes as a fun day. Fish and chips miracles today. I think he did it as a prophetic sign for the church at the end of the age to let us know what's possible. That you can actually multiply the bread when you believe. All things are possible to them that believe. He goes, don't harm the oil and the wine. Why is that going to be important? He goes, bread's going to cost you a day's wage. Don't harm oil and don't harm wine. Well, if you're in global drought, stored uh, beverages are going to be essential. In fact, in societies where the water, historically, where the water supply has been contaminated, wine has been the most uh, natural drinking source for them. They would use wine as, the, as more than a, pure, uh, than a water system because it was more purified. He goes, the store beverage is wine. Don't harm it. He goes, we need it. He goes, and oil, we need energy. Oil and wine, energy, uh, drink, and food. Because the whole earth is going to be in global famine. World War III, Antichrist ruling, global famine, global drought, and then... Jesus opens the fourth seal. That seems like enough, doesn't it? We're only, we've only done three out of 21 judgment events that are coming. This has got to get, why am I doing this? It's got to get out of the cartoon idea. Wow, end times teaching. No, this is real. We might be 30 to 40 years out. Who can stand? Behold my messenger who will prepare the way. How do we get there? How do we prepare the way? Fasting, prayer, standing in the counsels of the Lord, spending our time and our money differently, raising our children with these truths, getting our hearts ready and getting rid of an American mentality of frivolity and giving ourselves to entertainment and lavishing ourselves with all sorts of stuff we don't need. Let's get something real in God. Let's be a people that embrace Malachi 3, 1 and 2. Antichrist ruling, World War III, global famine, and Jesus opens another seal. Verse 7. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice, the fourth living creature, saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. I heard a friend say it this way. He goes, It's going to be hell on earth. It's going to literally be hell on earth. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. He's summarizing the events of the first three seals, and he's giving us the punchline that the the events of the first three seals, combined with this energy that comes from the fourth seal, it is going to destroy one 
quarter of the earth's population. Sociologists tell us by 2025 to 2030, the earth's population will be 10 billion. Between 2025 and 2030, 10 billion. If the earth's population is 10 billion and a quarter of the earth was destroyed, 2.5 billion people will die just in the events of the first four seals. There will be 17 more judgment events just in the first four, one-fourth of the planet will die. It will be the most intense time of death the planet has ever seen. And I'm standing before you and telling you we could be three decades away, maybe four. If I live any other way, than preparing my life and my family for that. If I live in any other way than preparing, I am in delusion. And we don't get it, but we are so influenced by the spirit of the age. The influence in society that calls us just to simmer down, to not live so extravagant. See, the, the offense in people's hearts will be this. When you change the way you live, they'll say, you're fanatical. You're crazy. You're fanatical. No, I actually believe the scriptures and therefore and I'm, I'm preparing. And I'm not saying let's store up water in guns. I'm saying let's give ourselves to the Sermon on the Mount. It is the end times manifesto. The Sermon on the Mount is the end times manifesto. I'm going to break that down in a week or two. But beloved, these are the things that are getting ready to take place just in the first four seals. A, a fourth of the planet is going to die. The fifth seal, we see martyrs under the throne of God who have been slain for the testimony of Christ. Martyrdom is exploding on the earth. And everything shifts at the fifth seal because the prayer movement in heaven and the prayer movement on the earth, they're in conjunction. And they, instead of crying for mercy, 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 you know what they're crying for? Avenge. The imprecatory prayers, prayers that cry out for judgment, that's all that means, imprecatory prayers. They hit the planet in mass in the fifth seal, and God answers with the sixth seal, and it is cosmic disturbances. It is meteor showers. It is earthquakes. Mountains are shifted and shocked. And it says the men of the earth, they come and hide themselves in caves, and they say, who can stand? If we are four decades out, we have got to get ready. So maybe, well, brother, what if you're a little early? What if it's eight? What if it is eight? What if it's eight decades? We better be getting ready. But I don't think so. The signs that Jesus gives in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, they're not just sort of in the earth. They're in the earth at the highest levels ever in human history. And one other little major point. None of these things could have come true without Israel actually being a nation. And she wasn't a nation for 1,900 years. The first generation in 2,000 years that these things could come to pass is our generation. 
and Israel is in her land. Think about that. Countries and all different places, third world countries, they'll, go, they'll have a, a military coup. They'll change the name. The customs will change. Sometimes even the language will change. And then 50 years later, it'll change again. I mean, that's real. Israel gets driven out of her land, dispersed in the nations of the earth. And 1900 years later, in 1948, she shows back up with her language, her customs, all intact. Religious festivals, all of it's intact. Back in her land? That's impossible. It's very possible. It's happening in your lifetime. So I stand here and I say, guys, let's, let's not get excited about, oh, those are revelatory messages with a few different verses we've never heard before. Let's get, let's do it this way. Let's go, okay, this is real. And, and I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm asking you, at the very least, if you, if, you don't, if you don't believe what I'm saying, get in the verses and find out for yourself, at the very least. But if you're hearing what I'm saying and it's witnessing to your heart and you see the truth of it, then let's not just leave it in the, wow, that's cool. Let's move it into the, okay, how do I live? How shall I live now? How do I make changes that make sense in light of these truths? Amen. Let's just stand.
there's got to be shifts in my life. Maybe you're thinking of the radical thing right now, or maybe you're thinking of the one, two, three things that will get you on a, a trend over the next 12 months. I don't care. But you're saying, I hear it. It's, it's making sense. We've had coffee. I'm staring you in the eye, and you're going, no, that needs to shift in me. For real. I, I want us to come. I want us to come together. I want us to pray together. I'm not trying to do the Christian confessional altar call over and over and over thing. I mean, really shifting something. You'd say, Billy, I, I want to shift some things. Maybe it's the radical move or maybe it's the, the, the things that you're tweaking now into a 12-month plan of change. You don't know exactly what it will be, but you're going to get it clear before the Lord. Either way, I want us to pray together. You'd say, that's me. I'm in. I want, I want to make the shifts. I just want to invite you forward. Let's come. without the reality.